Welcome to Living from Heaven, number five. I want to congratulate you if you didn't get too triggered and you're still here. It's pretty amazing to get through number four because there were some things in there that uh, literally took me years to work through. And so I just want to congratulate you that you're still here, still processing through it. So hopefully today will be a little bit shorter. It's a weekend for me, so I'm kind of casual here. and. I want to go into the chambers of your heart and also talk about your mountain. But before we do that, as you're getting used to it, there's a few keys that over the last few weeks the Lord has, or others have shared with me that I want to just release and share to you. I'm not going to go into great detail in those, but just to release those to you to work on. And again, just remember, some of these things aren't for you right now. They're for others, and sometimes they're for you later, and sometimes they're the right now. So here we go into those. There's some insights in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm just going to read those and make a comment. So, I must go on boasting. This is Paul talking. Although there is nothing to gain, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of it, I do not know, but God knows. And I know this man, whether in the body or out of it, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up into paradise. And the point there is, Paul, don't take it like he's just trying to be sarcastic or something like that. He actually might have not understood the two parts to himself. In other words, we've talked about the three parts, your body, soul, and spirit. Well, that, that's actually uh, one person of yourself. Well, there's another spirit being of yourself. And so he was uh, a little confused on that possibly. And I'm just releasing to you that there are other manifestations of yourself. So be open to that. A little bit farther down in the passage. So to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. And we'll stop right there. We've framed Satan as a person. Let me just say, maybe it's just a class of angels or beings at this point. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest on me. From that, you see this argument, this discussion with the Lord. Well, the Lord, it pretty clearly shows here, assigned an angelic realm to do something against Paul that was frustrating him. And again, we all have our ideas of what that is. That's not my point. The point is, the Lord orchestrated those things. And this angel that was causing frustration was actually obeying the Lord. What I'm trying to communicate in this nugget is that instead of trying to get rid of pain, get rid of something, slow down 
and try to stare into it, try to look into it and see what the Lord is actually communicating. Part of the deal of living from heaven is learning how He speaks to us. And one of the biggest ways is through pain, is through trauma, suffering, and those things. And I'm not saying all those are specifically this. What I'm saying is there are some times that we need to stare to look deeply into those things to see what the Lord is doing behind it. Related to this, it's springtime where I'm at in this moment, and I'm watching my tulips come up. And so if you think about a, a tulip bulb, it's just a gross-looking round seed. Uh, there's nothing pretty about it, but what do you do? You plant it in the dirt, and at the right moment, boom, it comes up. It'll sit there all winter and do that. How this relates to us is that some of those circumstances, and we just talked about this a little bit, but some of the circumstances in our lives are really just like this seed. It's gross, there's nothing pretty about it, it's hidden away, it's tucked, it's slimy, and yet, if we nurture and hold it in the right time, it's going to blossom. But people aren't gonna see the seed that's underneath it, they're going to see the fruit of those things. But we, as we learn to listen and communicate with the Lord, can talk about the seed, can nurture the seed, can figure out, oh, this is what that seed is going to do. And as you figure out what's within the DNA of the seed of the circumstance that doesn't look so great, then you can honor it. And as you do in the right time, it's going to produce a beauty that's going to be seen and enjoyed. Next one. You got to get mad at God. It's like a family. There's something in us, especially the more religious you are, that and I, I was one of the chiefs of religion. We just want to be nice all the time, but nice actually is not loving. We have this frustration down in us and it causes all sorts of bad stuff. But what I'm just saying is giving you permission to be upset, to be frustrated. When I was a parent, I have three older grown children, I wanted them, instead of just being frustrated and mad and sitting on it, I wanted them to come so we could have a discussion. And being mad was great if that's what they needed. Now we needed to work through that and process that. But some of the worst parts of my life, I finally released myself to be so mad at him. And I would even visualize at points, and I don't know if it was in the spirit or not at that point, but I would beat on his chest. I would swear at him. I would get upset. But it released the emotion so it was out there so we could deal with it. And he loved it because I was being honest and open and free with who I was in that moment. And it was beautiful. And that's how much of the healing came to me. So go ahead, get pissed, cry, all those things, but let some of the anger out. All right, the next one is from a unique translation of Isaiah 45. And Isaiah is relating a story about a king. And I'm just going to read seven verses, but there's a key in here for you. It says, Thus said Yahweh to his anointed Cyrus, that's the king, whose right hand I have laid hold of, 
to subdue nations before him. Indeed, I loose the loins of the king to open doors before him and deeds. Indeed, gates are not shut. I go before you to make crooked places straight. I shatter doors of bronze and I cut bars of irons and have given you, this is the coolest piece here. I'm getting to the other part though. And have given to you treasures of darkness. That's huge. In the darkness, there are treasures. Even treasures of secret places. That's what we're talking about today. To go to the chambers of your heart. To go to your mountain. So that you know that I, Yahweh, who am calling on your name, am the God of Israel. Skipping down a little bit. So that they may know, he's talking about other people, from the rising of the sun from the west, that there is no one besides me, and I, Yahweh, and there is no one else. Forming light and creating darkness, making peace and creating calamity. I, Yahweh, am doing these things. And so again, it relates to the prior passage, is that Yahweh is behind these things in unique ways. So don't be quick to judge right, wrong. Again, back to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. This is good, this is bad. But hold those things, hold judgment, and I'm talking about earthly judgment, you know, oh, that's good, that's bad, that type of thing. But hold and wait and look. And I'm going to get into it later, but I've been dealing with the Hebrew letter Ayin. So some of these pieces, actually Ayin, uh, has showed me to be able to share and the Shema. So much of that is to be able to stop, look, chew on, and stare intently into. You might be seeing a little theme here in the last verse or section is Judges chapter 3 and it says and for those of you who don't have a Bible background let me give you a little snippet here which is it's fine Israel went in the land they were supposed to knock out all these giants which were actually uh, cross-pollinated uh, Nephilim and stuff like that and they were in the wrong realm so they needed to move them out of the land because they needed to go somewhere else let's make it simple and take over the land however they didn't do it at the time but the intent was you need to go in and move them all out of the land all right but then later it says this in Judges, These are the nations the Lord left to test all the Israelites who had not experienced any of the wars in Canaan. He did this only to teach warfare to the descendants of the Israelites who had not had previous battle experience. And then he goes on to list those. And the point is this. One event and the Lord says, hey, you should have taken out all these people. You disobeyed. And then another event, it says the Lord left them there so that he could teach them. 
And you need to be able to see that a lot of stories in Scripture can be viewed in so many different ways. It's utility. So you see the Lord saying something here and something there. So don't look at everything. Again, it's back to the hold back your earthly judgment and look into those things and see that the Lord can actually turn and say, oh, but this is what we can do with it, but this is what we can do with it, but this is what we can do with it. So don't look for a singular answer for everything. Last two things. Can you celebrate conviction when it comes to yourself or someone else experiencing things of the Lord that you're not experiencing? This is another gateway to be able to hold something and celebrate when you are not experiencing those things. And what that does is it sets patience that's going to accumulate goodness to release that to you. So don't look at it like, how come they're not? And, you know, getting convicted of this, but I am. Or how come they're getting this, but I'm the one that seems to be pursuing harder. You're probably going to have those thoughts. I do. But then to hold it and say, oh no, this is a gateway to something deep that the Lord wants to release to me. Another one. What you see is really what you value. And then what you see will expand. So the test for yourself, as you look at people, as you look at circumstances, what do you see? What is your initial interpretation of those? Then you're going to be able to see what you value. And usually at the start you're like, ooh, I didn't like that. Then you can say, wow, that's going to expand. I'm going to multiply that. To be able to stop and say, wow, okay, what am I initially seeing? because then that shows me my value and what's going to expand in the future. It's a law. So you doing this course, you doing this is saying, I want to see these things. I want to experience these things. That's why it's guaranteed it's going to expand in you as you take the time to meditate, to listen, to process the things that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you through these things. Again, I just want to say, maybe all these things that I've just said, you're like, I don't agree with any of it or it doesn't resonate. Totally fine. But do you realize you just took the time and the effort and the intention? You actually are planting something that is going to grow. So kudos to you about that. The garden of your heart. There are four chambers. Now, some of this I learned from other people, and it's just opened the doors, and so I've experienced them. And I've looked back and thought, oh, I was already experiencing them. I just didn't know it fit into those things. And again, I'm not gonna die over this one. I'm just saying I've learned from people that are beyond me and then I've expanded those myself. So the four chambers of the heart, the garden, the soaking room, the dance floor, and the throne room on those. So I'm just gonna touch on those. So you can get an idea because you initially have this picture and you're like, oh, that's kind of weird. But 
So for instance, the garden. There's a movie uh, called The Shack that has a great garden. Also the movie Avatar. Those are great pictures. There's pieces in that that are beautiful with the garden. And a lot of the people that I've been in process with and walking through, the garden is a main one where you walk with the Lord and sometimes you're in your garden and you just transition into His garden. You're, you're kind of, you're not sure where you're at. There's been seasons where I've spent a ton of time where I go to the garden every single morning and just walk with the Lord. Remember where it said, Adam walked in the cool of the day with the Lord. So we're talking about a garden. What do kings all have? Kings all have their own garden that's made for them to go and enjoy on that. And you have a specific garden. It's going to look a little different. There's going to be different plants, different things you grow. And what I like about the movie The Shack is that it talks about it's all messy, but as we go in there and look at it, we get a replant, we get to see things, we get to see that there's, wow, there's symmetry here that I didn't see before. And so, uh, yeah, oh my gosh, um, there's rivers in my, and there's benches. Now, uh, some of my friends, I, they have swings that they just go and swing. Um, I don't have one in mine, but there's little paths. There's hidden places to go all in the garden. So just a great place of discovery. All right, the soaking room, kind of an interesting one. But if you think of Esther uh, in the Old Testament as uh, the female or bride came to the king, she would spend up to a year uh, preparing herself. And it's, it's a similar idea. And I, mine actually relates to the labor in the temple and the water and those things. And I was experiencing something that I would call the soaking room way before I understand what a soaking room was. In fact, it was a prophetic word somebody gave me, and I thought, well, that's weird, but that sounds really cool. So I would just go back there again and again. And remember, any vision or any prophetic word you have, it's an open gate to keep keep going back there and expand it. So many people just get some word or some comment from somebody. They're just like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. They, you know, they might even write it down, which you should do anyway. But then they, they don't go back to expand it. All these things are invitations to expansion on them. All right, the dance floor. This is probably one uh, I have spent some time here. It's probably the one I've spent the least amount of time. And, but I went back years and years and I was like, oh, that was the dance floor. And for me, it's uh, sometimes it looked like a Mediterranean uh, house on the cliffs where I was with the Lord. Uh, sometimes it was a dark hidden dance area. And sometimes I just, hate to say this, you know, I turn the lights out, turn the music up, make sure my neighbors aren't home, and I dance to myself. And I just love it. So whatever that looks like for you, it's going to be totally different on that. And the throne room of your heart. So the throne, this is the last one I got to, because I was like, the throne, what are you doing the throne? And am I worthy to be in the throne? And uh, I actually, you probably have one of your angels if you have never been to your throne, that is there uh, taking 
care of your situation, but you're meant to be sitting there. And if you meet that angel that was there, it's good to get some advice as you do that. And then once you are comfortable, once you realize like, wow, I can adjudicate from this place, then you start having experiences. And everybody's throne looks a little bit different. I'm not gonna tell you about mine because it's very private. I've never told anybody. But I will, at points, I mean, sometimes I might go there twice a week, sometimes I might go there twice in six months. It just, when the Lord and my spirit lead me to those places. And what you need to know about the four chambers of your heart, remember what we're trying to do here. I'm not trying to be expansive. I'm just trying to say, here's, and in America we just say, here's the meat and potatoes. In other words, here's the main things. You're going to want to hit on these at some point. The Lord's going to take you, and the angels or whatever, are going to take you to other places. But there's some keys that over time that you're going to need to put intention into. There you go. All right. Your mountain. So in Scripture, there's all sorts of stuff talking about the mountain. You're going to start to see those. But if you think about what is a mountain, it's a high place. And don't think of it just like this. It's this big mountain. And around where I live, there's you know very steep, big mountains. And other places, there we they call them a mountain. I call it like a bump or a hill. And other places they live on, you know, very flat. But everybody kind of understands the mountain. So don't think of it just like this one single mountain. Think of it as like a mountain range with plains and all these things. Because that's where you're going to plant orchards and you're going to have your own valleys and rivers and farmland and high peaks and snow and caves and planes and all these type of things and why is that it's the visual we use here on earth remember a lot of this is just mirrored to be able to take things to plant things you will be given things in the courtroom that you want to take back and plant now why would you want to plant things because you want it to expand. So you need to have some intention to expand those things. Because as you're a person that takes responsibility, there is trading in heaven. So we're going to stop there. There's enough for you that opens the door for some of those things that I spoke of earlier that you can press into. And even if they didn't resonate with you at all, or you disagree, what you have done is had the intention to spend time to open those doors to look. And that seed of patience will produce goodness. So I just want to bless you right now that you're going to be able to see things and pictures, visions, and prophetic words that, oh, that was the soaking room, or oh, that was on my mountain. And you're going to see that the angels and the beings and the Lord have already been working these things in you. And then as you take intention to meditate and to move in and stare at 
at those things, they're going to expand on those things. Recently, something opened up for me, which I obviously am not going to share, but at the same time, I've gone back again and again and had the intention. And some days, it's just like, honestly, it's like brushing your teeth. There's not that much great, cool, sexy stuff happening, but I have an intention because I know it's going to open up. And as you move on and grow in these things, you're going to find out sometimes the harder things, the things that you have to be more patient for, you get excited about because you're like, oh, it's not coming easy. It's going to be amazing. Oh, I can't wait. And so it grows your patience to something that's going to be amazing that's designed just for you. So I just bless you with that. Thank you.